0: This week on One Body, stewarding God's creation, Max McGaffin talks about his struggle with death, trusting God, cancer, and answering the call to enter the seminary. One body, stewarding God's creation. One body. Stay tuned; you won't want to miss this amazing story. One body. Creation. Max is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's
1: on-air host, Kelly Roper. This is Max McGaffin and we're gonna be talking about experiencing the call. So Max are you there? I am. Awesome, awesome. By way of introduction, Max McGaffin is a 2015 graduate of Thomas More Prep Marion. Shortly after graduation, Max started developing alarming symptoms, but it took three years before he was officially diagnosed with a malignant germinoma brain tumor, a cancer that took his father Rex and his grandmother's life. Through it all, Max did graduate from Fort Hayes State University with a degree in finance. Today, Max is cancer-free and is at the end of his spirituality year at St. John Vianney Seminary in Denver. Max is the son of Lisa Isom... Mm, I'm going to mess that one up. I'm sorry, Max. Isom- That's right. Minger And stepson of Brad Isominger. And you can correct me on those. I apologize. Um, but we are so grateful that, that he's here. Sounds like you've had a... a a really really difficult time can you you know talk to us a little bit about you know this this uh, brain tumor that you had and the losses that you had and you know it's amazing to me and I'm sure you recognize it as well how God works in our lives sometimes through these very difficult situations to bring out about a, a greater good and and uh, so tell us a little bit about that journey and entering seminary and um, the greater good that's going on in your life now
2: absolutely kelly thank you so much for having me on here i'm very happy to be here unfortunately i was not able to listen to any earlier because in the spirituality year here in denver um, i'm actually not allowed to use a, a cell phone or have any media usage during the week yeah. And so I, I had to ask special permission to use this landline <laughs> in order to call in. So, Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: that's yeah, a good but, thing. Um, it's, it's, it's a a really, you know, opening up our hearts and our mind and our thoughts to God when you have to give up those kind of things.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, anyways, uh, the brain tumor, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of something that runs in our family, as you've mentioned. And uh, um, thankfully— You know, God has been with us through it all, and, um, you know, I kind of like to start just back in the day when I was young and when my dad first got sick, and um, unfortunately, he was diagnosed with a a brain tumor that was called a glioblastoma brain tumor, and uh, that's one that, unfortunately, is pretty much a death sentence when you get diagnosed with that. And so him and my grandmother both had uh, that glioblastoma brain tumor, oh. whereas mine was a brain tumor, but it was actually a different one. It was called a germinoma. And so uh, that distinction actually probably allowed me, allowed God to save my life because uh, um, that distinction makes it way more survivable. So, oh. but um, specifically with my dad, you know, I, I don't remember a whole bunch, of course, being only five years old when he passed. But the one thing I do remember is just really my, my mother um, really taking care of him to the bitter end and really our family sticking together, um, not just our immediate family, but our extended family as well, always being there for each other and always uh, you know, doing the best they could to help us out, help us kids out when mom and dad were on, you know, on the road and treatments and stuff like that. So it's something that's really challenging. It's something I've done a lot of reflecting on, especially this year in seminary, You know, especially Like I said, this year in seminary, just having all the time that I do here in prayer and in silence. So, but I'm always really thankful for my dad for his effort, you know. Because even when I was a kid, I could really remember um, just the image of him like working very hard to try his best to be there for us. And um, and so I'm always thankful for that. And um, I'm thankful that God has blessed him with, or blessed me um, by being the son of Rex and, and and Rex and Lisa. And so I'm very thankful for that. So. But anyways, as we get a little bit further in here, I started developing the t- the, t- the brain tumor probably around my teenage years. Um, not exactly sure when it would have set in, but it was a pretty slow growing tumor, so it didn't actually start to affect me until I was about 18, and it affected me in really small ways, also in very physical ways. So I uh, believe it or not, one of the first, uh, one of the first, uh, um, I guess, gosh, I have a lot loss for words. One of the first. Uh, um, oh goodness! Um, side effects I, I experienced was um, actually a frequent urination, mm-hmm. believe it or not, which is which is so uh, so uh, unfortunate and so uh, just really unlucky, I guess I would say, because uh, it's one of those things that's just super annoying. And it was always I would wake up uh, really late in the mo- or really early in the morning and uh, just go to the go to the bathroom like five or six times and wake up. That many times every single night, yeah. and so I kept myself, or unfortunately, it kept me pretty dehydrated and uh, and pretty n- um, not well rested for about three or four years of my life before we kind of got it figured out. So that was probably the most like easy thing to notice, but unfortunately, was the hardest thing to diagnose. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it was really a quite challenge for uh, for a long time for there for three or four years in college. Yeah. So, yeah. It was really hard for me to, to do that and it was really hard, I'm sorry here, but it was really hard because uh, I just felt like, uh, you know, I hadn't, nothing had changed and I couldn't, we couldn't diagnose anything. I know for a long time my, my mom had really wanted to get me checked for diabetes because that's a, a, a sign of diabetes and we had done that several times and to no avail and so uh, we really were just kind of lost. So in that, in those college years, I really fell away from the Catholic Church, and I really fell away from my relationship with God, especially my freshman and sophomore year. I was hanging out with a whole bunch of my good friends um, from high school that, uh, you know, we were just doing the, the pretty typical college party scene, and um, really uh, was not going to Mass, not, not, not attending the sacraments, um, particularly confession, and so about my junior year of college. That was when my grandmother was diagnosed with the same glioblastoma brain tumor that my dad was. And that was a, a very difficult time for me because that was just a year before the cancer diagnosis for me. And so my my, uh, or my uh, side effects were increasing pretty rapidly. And so at this time, I was losing weight and I was not being able to keep food down and not being able to have the energy to go about my day-to-day tasks. and in the fall of 2017 my grandmother was diagnosed with a glioblastoma brain tumor and it was pretty quick succession it was maybe two or three months after that when she passed away in november of 2017 and i struggled with that a lot you know it was um, she was someone that i knew uh, pretty well i would say but but at the same time didn't know as well as i'd like to know you know and so um it was really hard for me to kind of um, wrap my head around that, the fact that I was losing an opportunity to get to know her. And so in the last three months, I really tried my best to, you know, just be at the hospital with her and just be at the care home with her at the very end and, yeah, just to really have an opportunity to get to know her and just to tell her how much I love her and how much yeah. I'm thankful for her. Um, it's funny, uh, the, her, her funeral date um, was in, I don't know, the middle of November or so in 2017. And that actually happened to be um, the same day as a retreat that I attended that year um, called Crossroads Retreat. It's a, kind of a Catholic retreat at Fort Hayes that's put on by the Como Catholic campus there. And it's funny, on that uh, Friday morning, it was, I uh, will speak at my grandma's funeral. I've never done that before. Never really spoken publicly like that before. And it was kind of a hard thing for me to do, and I actually, it's kind of, it's kind of weird here, but I actually went into a, a panic attack about 45 minutes or so before that funeral. And I, I really was, uh, I just was, I couldn't breathe and just couldn't stand, and was really just trying to really struggle. I just was struggling with the idea of her dying, the idea of my retreat, whether I should go, what all this thing was. It just kind of, it was kind of a crisis in my life at that moment. And, um, and I'm so thankful for that because I really believe it was kind of a, a, um, a spiritual warfare at that moment because um, I ended up did speaking. I, I did speak at a funeral and um, I kind of blacked out. I don't actually know what I said, but supposedly it went well. And, um, and later that day, my older brother Caden, he actually kind of dragged me to that crossroads retreat. And that night uh, for the first time since high school, I went to confession mm-hmm. and received uh, the grace of the Lord and really had a conversion that weekend, and the sacrament, uh, and the sacrament of confession, and the sacrament of the Eucharist, and really in true brotherhood and true um, just Christian brotherhood and fraternity. So um, I, I really believe that it was, a, like I said, a spiritual warfare that was you know trying to keep me away from that retreat and trying to keep me away from really grieving my grandmother, because at that moment, uh, at that retreat, uh, I really fell in love with the Lord and really decided to to give my life to it. Uh, <laughs> had I even remotely considered uh, a life to the priesthood. But, um, but at that moment, I've, I figured out that I want to be Catholic, and I'll, I want to be Catholic because the Lord Jesus Christ died for us and for, because he rose for us. And he wants to forgive us our sins. He wants, us, uh, he wants to love us and pour forth his mercy upon us.
1: And, um, you know, I'm, I'm betting that it was your grandmother interceding for you for, for that to, to happen right around the time, you know, after she died. What a, what a beautiful thing um, for, for that to occur.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, like I said, um, it was about in that uh, fall of 2017 when I went to that retreat and really had my first conversion um, to, to Christianity, to, to Catholicism. And it was mainly led through my older brother, Cade, who of course is also a seminarian here with me ah, at St. John Vianney. Nice. And um, he's just been really, uh, really been a, a godsend for me. He's really been a mentor for me, um, mm-hmm. been someone that's always led me back to the faith. And so I'll give a quick shout out to him for, for really bringing me and um, kind of dragging me to that retreat. Um, but once I fell in love with the Lord at that retreat, um, I really started to grow um, again in, in the, the brotherhood and friendship. Um, as mentioned before I, I spent a lot of time just uh, hanging out with uh, with my friends from high school and they're, they're people that I'm still friends with today but uh, you know for one reason or another it, it wasn't uh, the friendship that I needed to make me fall in love with Christ and uh, so I started meeting some really great people some great you know Catholic people um, at the Como Catholic Campus Center there at Fort Hayes and through those relationships um, I met, you know, just like I said, just just beautiful people, and I actually um, started to to date someone, and it was really a good chaste, uh, Catholic relationship, which was something that was always so challenging for me, and I'm sure for all of our peers, um, you know, going through college. Um, but um, so as we pro- progress another year here, um, I started working, and, and I, I started working for a guy named Tim Spino, who was actually my neighbor there in Hayes, Kansas, and. Um, he uh, uh, he and I were working a lot together, and in uh, the fall of 2018, uh, when I was working for him, I uh, started to experience some more symptoms that were um, quite drastic. And um, it was actually crazy. I was, I was walking to class, my, This is a, I guess the beginning of my senior year, the fall of my senior year in 2018. And I was walking to class across the, across the quad there at four days. And it was just 8 a.m walking to class and I kind of just turned over and mm. threw up a couple times uh. in, in the quad and just kind of had no idea what was going on, um, was really unsure of what was happening and what could be causing this. So I, I went to class, you know, tried to do my best that day and um, it kind of happened three or four more times, probably early August, early September. Mm. Um, and, uh, and one time it happened in front of my mom where I was, I was with her and I just had to run to the bathroom and throw up real quick. And, um, as mentioned before, I, I wasn't eating much at the time. I couldn't keep any food down, and uh, and so I was basically just throwing up, you know, like guts, which is oh. quite disgusting. Oh. Uh, but um, at that at that point, my mom um, was really convinced that it was something that we needed to get checked out more seriously. And, and praise God that she had had that inclination because um, it turns out we absolutely did. So it was, it was I believe, September twenty first of uh, 2018 when I was diagnosed. Um, at first I was misdiagnosed with a pituitary adenoma, which is like a little benign tumor that uh, that is on your pituitary gland in your brain. So like I said, it was actually the, the malignant germinoma tumor, which it was right by the pituitary per, pituitary gland, um, but uh, was was quite serious and was really about, oh, it's hard for me to put like a specific number to it, but say it was like, just a few millimeters away from my optic nerve. So it was, it was quite dangerous and in a very precarious location. And so mm-hmm. it was in a location that was hard to operate on and, and hard, to, hard to do anything with, really. So mm-hmm. at that point, uh, of course, just a lot of emotions, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of just standing around and, and praying and, um, and everything like that. And it, it's kind of hard to recall, actually, because it kind of is all a blur. It just happens so fast but uh but one thing i do recall is just being at home um just being at home and just being with my family uh that day and um just really like just really being thankful for the time we had it's funny like i said everything was happening quite quickly but it's uh it's one of those things i just have that memory frozen in my head of just a just a really like it's kind of a somber somber picture but at the same time we're just being together and we're like okay what's what's next so uh However, we were trying to get into KU Med um, to, get us, to, to get me further evaluated, and it was taking a few weeks to get in, um, as it does. And so my mom had started looking elsewhere to see if we could get me in kind of quickly. And believe it or not, um, I think it was her boss, actually, that had recommended the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Yeah. Um, and it was the number one place, I believe, for endocrinology in or, or, uh, brain um, surgery, brain cancer stuff. In the, entire, um, in the entire United States. And sure. so with that, uh, with that kind of push, um, maybe even from the Holy Spirit, my mom um, decided that it would be best for us to go there. And so we, we did the whole 12 hour trek up to Rochester, Minnesota from Hayes. And uh, we got there the first day and uh, my current endocrinologist even, Dr. Erickson there, she took one look at our MRI and she's like, this is not a pituitary adenoma, yeah. this is malignant and this is very dangerous. Um, which, of course, heightens the emotions a little bit more that first day. And it was a whirlwind of appointments after appointments and all this stuff. But at the end of a week, we really like at the end of, I guess, a week or maybe two weeks, we really had a a fair diagnosis at that point, Um, although it was, you know, quick and and high paced. So we actually had a kind of a plan by, I believe, November. By November, for sure, we had a plan of going in, of what we're going to do and um, because the, pituitor, because the uh, tumor was so close to the optic nerve, the, the head of brain surgery there had decided that it was too dangerous to operate on, um, which, you know, when the head of brain surgery at Mayo Clinic tells you <laughs> it's too dangerous, you probably don't want them operating on it.
0: Yeah.
2: But, um, but at that point, uh, we went with a, a, a kind of a new treatment called proton beam radiation, which in, at the time, there was only two of those in the United States, but there may be more now. And so it was kind of weird. I would just I would go in for twenty six appointments, um, and it'd be like fifteen minute, twenty minute sessions of radiation on my head. I would wear a mask, and they would tie me down to the table so they could be extremely precise, and that I wouldn't move during the uh, during the, the session because the radiation can be very harmful if it hits what it's not intended to. Yeah. And so uh, yeah, it was a uh, kind of rapid fire there, but but praise God by uh, actually it was. I think December 18th or 19th of 2020 of, of 2018 um, was when I was officially cancer free so it, it happened really quickly all in the span of really three full months there wow yeah yeah
1: wow that's 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 a lot that's a, a lot a lot um especially for for a young a young person to to be going through all of that and So praise be to God. You've been cancer free now for since 2018. Is that right?
2: Yep. The very end. So we're going on five years.
1: Wow. That's, that's uh, what, what a joy. I'm so glad that you can share that with all of our listeners. So, you know, you went through some, some really, really difficult times, you know, during all of this, how did your relationship with God, how was that affected through all of this?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. And, uh, Really, it's a, a complicated one because, for one, I'll, I'll say this, that I'm, I'm so extremely thankful that God gave me the grace to convert the year before I got cancer instead of the year after. Mm-hmm. That would have been quite. That would have been even more difficult to go through had I not had the relationship I, I did with Christ at that time. Yeah. Um, and speaking of that, um, my mom and I, when we were in Rochester for those six weeks of radiation, we would go to daily mass on a daily basis up wow. there. And there was a, a priest there. His name was Monsignor Jerry, and, and he just was really uh, he just was really fascinated with us and our and our story and that we traveled that far to go to Rochester. And he was actually a cancer survivor himself, and so he actually had a, a fair influence on on me and my mom during that month, or, or yeah, just a little bit longer. And um, uh, was pretty tough, um, but it was pretty tough. But at the same time, it was so grace-filled to be there. Um, it's funny because at the moment, it just feels like you're kind of alone, but But looking back, um, I can just see the hand of God um, working in that situation in those three months. I mean, how many people do we know that that even if they do become cancer-free at some point, um, that it takes way longer than three months, and it takes way more um, than six weeks of radiation or, or chemotherapy or whatever it is. And so I just really believe that it was the grace of God that allowed us to be there and allowed us to suffer there, um, which is always a question, right, is, is why is suffering and why do we have to do that? But, um, but I believe he allowed us to suffer as well as we could at that moment and really to grow closer to him and trusting in his, his will for our life. So at the same time, I really developed a, a devotion to our Mother Mary um, that, that, um, that fall, really that year. There was a um, little devotional chapel outside of the the main chapel at that church that we would go to every day and there's just a statue of mary that was kind of holding her hands out um for us so that we could hold our hands or put our hands in hers and just pray pray with her you know and, and pray for her intercession and we would do that on a daily basis as well and we prayed rosaries all the time and it just was one of those things i, I really believe that, that mary's intercession is all over that situation as well and that uh, um, that we have to trust in, the God, in God and we have to trust in his saints and their their prayers for us. So that's really uh, the first thing I'll say is that it really affected me in how I uh, love God and how I love going to daily mass and also in how I love Mary, which, uh, you know, I would say that most priests, I would bet, in our diocese are, have some sort of devotion to Mary. Yeah. And if they don't, they probably should, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because cause Mary is, you know, um, quite, you know, Quite immaculate, right? As she says, immaculate conception, the yeah. immaculate heart of Mary, and so it's a—it's uh, fascinating to me God's plan, and not not necessarily do I that I understand it, but you know He chose Mary to to be immaculate, con, immaculately conceived, and He chose Mary to be the mother of Jesus, and it's just a—it's uh, so awe-inspiring. But she's just uh, she's a great grace, and she's a great uh, person to look up to and to pray to, uh, because you know. Like, like me and my mom almost, you know, it's hard for my mom to turn me down sometimes when I ask her for something special. <laughs> and uh, I imagine yeah. it's the same way for Jesus. It is the hard, it's hard for him to turn down Mary when she asks him for something good. Yeah. So. Absolutely. I mean, you
1: yeah, know, that's how he worked his first miracle. You know, he was like, mm, it's not my time. And, and she said, do whatever he tells you. You know, she had that confidence, you know, that, that he would do. You know, he would absolutely do what she was asking. And, and uh, it's such a beautiful thing to, to see that, to witness, um, you know, for each of us, you know, as mothers or as sons, either one, you know, that, that role of, of really taking care of of our of our sons and um, you know also trusting trusting completely so we need to take a short break right now but
0: don't change that dial we'll be right back with more from max McAffin on experiencing one body. the call one body. one body stewarding god's creation we're back on one body stewarding god's creation experiencing the call body, God's with Max McGAffin one
1: body, one body.
0: Kelly Roper conducts the interview
1: body, in God's Wow what what a what a great interview we have with max mcgaffin um talking about experiencing the call so now we're at the point where where you are cancer free and you're about ready to graduate from college and so take us from from that point on
2: yeah um so at this point in my life uh i was still dead set on getting married um and i was actually dating someone at the time um you know discerning marriage with that person and. I was going, we were, I guess, yeah, I was going into my last semester um, to graduate, and kind of just something crazy happened, right? Uh, Something unexpected to me. She broke up with me. (laughs) And it's something that's always hard, uh, you know, it's always hard to, like, look back on, and it's like, man, like, gosh, did I just not see this coming, or what's going on, or, you know, but but honestly, what what I see the most when I look back is just God's providence um, in everything, that God just had so much... So much more for me, and again, not like not that you know that person wasn't enough or anything like that, but that uh, just our lives were, were not meant you know to be that way you know the way that we had initially had thought that they were. So, um, for one, I'm thankful for God for that moment or for that uh, that time you know because I really learned a lot in that relationship. But uh, but in the December of, December 2019 is when I finally graduated. And uh, I just like okay, I'm I'm gonna try and do something different here. Not sure what's going on. I ended up moving to Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved by myself and just lived there for six months and uh, um, kind of the beginning of COVID actually, which is a little bit brutal, but um, <laughs> um, was fun. It was great to just be in Charlotte. I was doing I was working for a big corporate company and just having a blast uh, working. And uh, really, that was really the first time. Like I said, I talked about the Fort Hayes State community of Catholic uh, brothers and sisters there. And uh, so it was really great to have that. But in Charlotte, North Carolina, it was really the first time where I was kind of on my own um, as, a, as an adult Catholic. And uh, it was challenging to do that. But at the same time, I think it just took my faith to another level. You know, I started doing an, uh, a weekly adoration, which is something I always did in college. But when you're doing it by yourself, it makes it a little harder. And so to do things like that and to try and bring a couple co-workers to Mass with you on Sundays, so that was really where my faith took the next level. And after uh, after that, I ended up moving back to Kansas and moved to Dodge City, Kansas and was living there for the past two or three years. And um, at that time is when I had a buddy from college ask me if I wanted to teach confirmation in, in Dodge City. and. I accidentally said yes. <laughs> it was uh, something. I know it, it. It's one of those things. I, I meant to say no, and I said yes. But um, um, it was really again um, just you know divine providence filled that situation and, and it allowed me to say yes there because it just oh my gosh when, when you're teaching confirmation you're teaching uh, teaching about the faith it just forces you to learn it again you know and and nothing nothing bad against uh, you know my confirmation teacher in eighth grade but. I didn't learn it very seriously, right? I didn't learn it very well back then. And, and so uh, I asked my mom to buy me a catechism and started reading the catechism and kind of like, okay, like I say I'm a Catholic, what do we really believe here, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what do I have to teach these kids so they can understand, you know? Yeah. And um, so that, that, uh, cha- that was a great challenge for me, but at the same time, it was so much fun. <laughs> I had so much fun with those kids. They were typically eighth to ninth graders, and they were at Dodge City— uh, high school actually and so uh it was it was so much fun for me to be with them and just to hang out and just uh really to just you know be my or do my best to just bring christ to them you know unfortunately a lot of them weren't going to mass at a a regular clip and and most of them you know weren't receiving the sacraments much and again i I probably wasn't at their at their age either but uh but that great problem really like it just uh opened my heart to them a little bit, you know, it really made me sad that, uh, that these kids didn't really fully understand. And honestly, it kind of made me feel, I guess, a little bit like a parent or like, a, I should say <laughs> like a father, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and opening my pastoral heart, you know, and it's funny to say that now, cause at the time I didn't even know what a pastoral heart was, but, um, it's something I've really tried to desire, um, this year actually in seminary, because as a pastor, as, as, you know, a parish priest we have to care for those people that we have in our, in our parishes. And we just have to have the heart that the, that the Father has for us. And so, uh, and so it's funny, because that was probably the first time where I really had that for those kids. And it was probably a really significant moment for, for my discernment to the priesthood, but I didn't really realize that for, for another couple of years. So. But yeah, it was actually later, I was the second year I was doing that, and I had a, a ninth-grade boy, and um, raised his hand and I thought he was gonna ask a question so I called on him and he did ask a question just not the one I wanted to ask him mm-hmm. I wanted him to ask he asked have you ever thought about being a priest and of course I told him no please stop talking you know you yeah. <laughs> yeah, of yeah. course just kidding but it's one of those things it was just like oh my gosh I don't even want to think about that right <laughs> like please like don't bring that up again you know but it was funny because he, you know, him saying that just really struck a chord in my heart. And it was, it was something that I feel like I, I should have known instantly, but, uh, but my stubborn heart took me forever to realize it. And uh, I'll actually say that it was another, my, my priest there in, in Dodge City. His name is Father Wesley, and he's a great man and a great priest and a good mentor for me as well. It was him that actually texted me later that year and asked me if I had ever thought about it. And we kind of we, we met and, and talked a little bit and uh it was through that exchange through teaching confirmation through becoming friends with father wesley that really made me think like gosh like i think being a priest wouldn't be a bad thing you know and it's funny that we have that negative connotation on, on giving up your life for christ uh in in our world in our society because what a freaking blessing it is to be called by god mm-hmm. to to something like this to something like holy orders yeah. and uh, and so it was really fun for me, actually, to uh, um, to go through that and to really learn more about myself and learn more about God and His will for my life. It was actually uh, Father Andy Hamickey who's our vocation director now. Yeah. Um, it was him who, who, he talked about a prayer that he used to pray um, to uh, help his discernment. It was, you know, it's just a simple prayer, Jesus, help me want what you want, mm. and again, it's one of those simple things that just hits you like a two by four, because, man, I've been praying for what I want, not what you want, Lord. And it's something that I did my entire life, probably my entire adult Catholic life, I was praying for what I wanted and kind of snuck it in there under, I want your will, Lord. Yeah. So, um, but that, that, that really opened me up, um, to the, to the the father's will. And, uh, at the, at the very end, it kind of became, um, what do I want more? You know, it was, I had a pretty good job there in Dodge City, and so it was one of those things: do I do I want money and family, or even though it's even if it's not God's will for my life, or do I want God's will for my life and you know, hopefully heaven, right? And um, it's one of those things where at the end of the day, I just gosh had to make that decision to uh, to pull the trigger. You know, it's it's not that I necessarily wanted to, even. It's just that <coughs> excuse me. It's just that I felt truly called to, just felt like I was called by God to just give up my possessions, and not that I, you know, not that I sold everything by means, but, you know, to give up my stuff and to just, hey, like, go trust in me. And uh, so that's what I'm trying to do right now. <laughs> I wish I was doing it better. I'm sure my formators do as well. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but it's certainly been a great experience for me, and it's certainly been something that's, that God's been present in. Yeah. One of my, one of our spiritual directors here at St. Um, at John Vianney actually talks about just expect God to show up. You know, I think there's a lot of times when we ask God to do things, and we kind of ask, like, half-heartedly. And we uh, kind of, like, we ask, but, like, it's like, oh, you know, nothing's going to happen. And he, he just is, like, all against that. It's like, no, we got to ask wholeheartedly, and we have to expect God to show up. You know, is he going to answer it in our, in our way? Um, probably not. <laughs> That's probably because our way is not the best way. And, um, but we just have to expect God to show up because he's there for us. He loves us. Um, He hears our prayers and he answers our prayers in his timing. And so, yeah, with that, I'm in the spirituality here. Believe it or not, in, uh, oh, what is it now? Maybe two weeks, three weeks, I'm entering into a 30-day silent retreat, which is 30 days of silence, which is pretty tough. Yeah, so, but 30 days of silence uh, with four holy hours every day. And that's going to be pretty intense. So if you if you remember it, please uh, please pray for me because I'm going to need some grace on that week or on that month.
1: Share with us a little bit about what all is involved in seminary year, because I know it's probably very different than what most of our listeners think of as seminary life.
2: Absolutely, and and so initially this this year starts with a media fast, and essentially we we kind of signed a contract actually with our formator at the beginning of the year you know, giving him our phone. Um, the only phone we're allowed to have this year is a, is a dumb phone, a flip phone. Um, and even that, we're not allowed to use except for on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh-huh. And um, where we give up our laptops, uh, I haven't I haven't used my laptop in probably like 10 months now, which is pretty rare. And uh, and so we, we give up those things. And, and really what we're trying to do this year is just to like take a year-long retreat. We want to retreat from the world and, and run to God and really just grow in, in relationship with christ and really just grow and trust in him and give our entire year to him and as you mentioned it is for discernment um but really just uh yeah just the relationship that we need you know of course as a priest we're, we're gonna have to rely on christ every single day and as, as really as as any person we're gonna have to rely on christ every single day but um but uh we're, we're certainly gonna have to do that and we're certainly gonna have to be able to to trust in him and to uh not have outside attachments to this world. And of course, you know, I certainly have outside attachments and as most of us do, and um, my phone and social media and all this stuff that the world offers us is that attachment. And so we have to detach from those things in order to really grow um, with the Lord. So um, sports, for instance, you know, I'm I'm a big football guy, I'm a big basketball guy and, and all this stuff. And I couldn't watch. I couldn't watch the Dallas Cowboys on Sundays this last fall, and it made <laughs> me mad. You know, yeah. um, I I probably hadn't missed like but three or four games of the Dallas Cowboys like in the past 15 years, and I missed like all but two of them this year. You know, wow. yeah. um, and it's just things like that that are challenging, of course, but that are just so worth it. You know, it's just um, I I kind of at times feel like God's asking me the question because, of course, um, it's it's not like the phones are locked away. You know, if you really wanted to, you could probably sneak out and check a score or whatever. But, um, it's just like when I, when I'm tempted to do that, I just feel like the Lord asked me, like, is this more important than I am? You yeah. know? Huh. And, um, and the answer of course is just no, you know, it, it's not at times it feels like it is, but that's my disordered attachment to the, to my worldly things that is unfortunately ruining, or not ruining, but the ruling my uh, relationship with God, you know, at that moment. And so we want to be able to to have our attachments properly ordered and really rooted um, to Christ. You know, Christ is number one above everything, above football, above, you know, everything. It's funny, we actually... Uh, in the Old Testament, um, it talks about idolatry, of course, and idolatry being more in, like, you know, all the other gods, like actual gods that, we, that, the, that the other nations have. But in today, it's, idolatry isn't necessarily like, you know, uh, like Zeus or anything, but idolatry is more like my phone or my money or my sports or myself. We put all those things above God. Um, so, in like, back in the day, they would put an actual made-up God In front of god so it's funny how that kind of changes in our culture but um but yeah we we need god to be number one and we need to really focus on him and uh really grow in relationship with him
1: and so how do you see you know if god willing you you make it to the priesthood how do you see all of this that that you've gone through um how do you see it playing out in in your role as a priest
2: that's a great question too um Unfortunately, I'm not really sure, you know. I think I, I have my ideas of how I'd like it to play out, but, um, but I think really one thing that I've, I've thought of a lot with my friends and my family since my cancer, since my conversion and everything, because, um, of course, my, my story is a lot longer than just 51 minutes or whatever we've been on here, you know, but, um, but uh, I've really thought a lot about how I desire people to learn from my mistakes. Mm. I've really thought a lot about how as a priest or or you know you know as whatever God may call me to be of course because of course as you said I'm you know only one year in here and have six full more years to go yeah so uh but yeah I think that's the main thing for me is that I really want I want to affect young people you know I, I struggled from so many stereotypical like new age things with the cell phone and with boys and, you know, with just like guys being guys in high school kind of thing. And, and just, gosh, chastity is just so hard these days, and especially with, with the internet and with every, every, you know, seventh grader seemingly having an iPhone. And, uh, and so things like that are just so difficult and we just really have to teach our kids well and teach them young of what, of what right is and what chastity is and, uh, because there's so many things that you can just find yourself, you know, with your friends or, or whatever, you know, getting in, getting into, and, uh, they can just be so harmful. So, yeah, I think that's one thing I really want to, uh, um, I really want to just, uh, I want to be able to affect change, you know, for the better because of, uh, because of the mistakes I've made and because of the things I've fallen into that the world offers, you know, and, and that stuff every single time i'm like oh this is going to be a good idea this is going to work out well and it just leaves me shattered it leaves me shattered before the lord begging for mercy and of course that's not the worst place to be at least you're begging for mercy right <laughs> um yeah. and and god in his infinite mercy and in his unbelievably you know merciful heart he uh he receives me you know he receives us and he, he will again because he's, he's christ and his um you know we, had, we just had divine mercy sunday and, and that's actually one of my uh, favorite yeah. Sundays of the year so yeah. but um, so I think that's the biggest thing for me is that I really desire to just, just really work with young people um, and to really uh, you know I don't know just uh, yeah I want I want people to know Christ you know I it's funny this year I, I did a five day silent retreat because we do a couple of smaller retreats as we get to, as we get into the or get closer to the 30 day and um. In that five-day retreat, um, I found myself actually getting emotional just with, uh, with really, like, truly in prayer, realizing how much God loves me, mm-hmm. how much Christ really loves me, mm-hmm. that, that, like, even if, you know, I had done every single sin that the entire world has done, I did it myself, that He would still forgive me and that He would still die for me and rise for me. And, um, and, and knowing that and really trusting in that love that He has for me it just makes me so sad that other people haven't experienced that yet. And I really want to share his love. Now, can I do that on a human level? No, I'm, I'm you know, kind of a failure at that. You know, I'm, we're, we're very human. I'm very human and make a ton of mistakes. But with God, with his grace and with his help, with his help, you know, um, I want to be able to I want to, I want people to get to know him um, like I've gotten to know him. And really, just experience His love and His mercy, because, gosh, this this age needs it. You know, our our diocese needs it. We need His love and His mercy. Yeah. So, I think that's the one thing I, that really sticks out to me. And I just I want to affect young people. I want to um, really bring people to Christ and let them experience the true beauty and the love of Christ, the love of the Trinity. It's just a it's something I could talk about forever, honestly. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah.
0: Thanks, Max, for sharing your inspiring story. And thank you, our listeners, for tuning into One Body Stewarding God's Creation. If you are a business or service that can underwrite this One Body show, please know it is affordable, very affordable. And your 30-second spot will run three times during this show, which runs... Five times a week on five different stations. Interested? Call 785 621 4110. You're listening to the network of stations of Divine Mercy Radio. If today you hear His voice, harden not your hearts.